Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the John DeVito Show. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Ralph, and all the people coming in. I am still alive. I'm not dead yet, so I'm sorry. I haven't been on doing lives. You know, I went through a moment of reflection and kind of started to think about, you know, my future with the podcast and was trying to decide if I wanted to go on with the podcast. I'd done, you know, almost 250 episodes. And actually, I think today is actually my 250th episode, believe it or not. So I think today is actually 250 because I've published a couple of episodes on my own without going live. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I guess I was kind of frustrated. I'm sure a lot of podcasters go through this. You know, I put a lot of time into this, a lot of effort into this. And I know there, there are people in here that have done this for a lot longer than I have. I mean, you got Ralph Williams, who's been doing this forever and has got, you know, a ton of people that go into his live and has an excellent show. And, you know, you start to wonder, you know, I'm putting this time in, I'm putting this effort in, what's my end game? You know, is this ever going to turn into anything? But then honestly, the other day, you know, I was going back and forth. Should I cancel? Should I continue to do it? I got two emails from a young woman who had listened to quote unquote Bethany talk about the show me Christian youth home. And she wrote me these two long tear jerking emails explaining that finally for the first time in her life at the age of 37, she was able to relate to what happened to her because she attended this same place and she had been searching the internet for years, typing in, you know, show me home child abuse and show me home adult abuse and all these different things, looking to find someone that suffered through the same experience that she did. And when I got those emails, I mean, she wrote me and told me how she was married. She hadn't told her husband. She hadn't shared this stuff with anybody. And it made me realize that that podcast where we gave Bethany a voice did help this one person and whether it helped anybody else or not, I have no idea. But for me, I started to think about it. I'm like, you know what, if I do these podcasts and you know, I, I don't get a ton of listeners and a ton of downloads and I never make any money off it. That's okay. That's not really why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to try to help people when I can to try to entertain people when I can and also to make friends like I've done over the last couple of years. So for everybody coming in, I really appreciate it. You know, and having a podcast is tough because you do it you know, and you put a lot of effort into it. And sometimes you just wonder, you know, <laughs> am I any good at this? You know, am I not? I mean, cause I don't know, you know, I, I go, uh, I come here and I'm not sitting in a professional studio right now. If you could see me, I've got dirty red Sox shorts on. I'm outside of my front porch with a work shirt on. Um, I've got pollen all over my computer and my roadcaster pro and my microphone. I'm on this little small table and uh, just kind of chilling outside, enjoying the good weather. So that's kind of how I do it. That's kind of how I podcast. And, you know, I know there are a lot of good shows on this platform that are really good at what they do. And it's funny, when I go in and listen, a lot of times, you know, I don't like to call into other shows. I like to just listen and see what other people do because I learn a lot every time I go into, you know, so many of the podcasts that are on here. So welcome, Eric. Welcome, Victor. Welcome, Jess Duck. Welcome to everybody coming in. I greatly appreciate you all being here and we are going to get to the fun soon. You know, <laughs> I hadn't done anything political in a while. So I figured it was time to give Joe Biden his grades. You know, here I am, I'm a parent and I've got four kids, you know, three teenagers and a 12 year old. And we're always looking at their grades and we're looking at their report cards. And that's how people are judged in today's society. So I figured what the hell it's time to look at Joe Biden and I'm going to give him my report card. And Joe, I've got to tell you, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to probably hear this, but I'm a tough grader, so be prepared. I'm coming after you, buddy, with guns blazing, and you haven't taken away my guns yet, so I can still come, come at you with guns blazing, and I am going to give you my review eventually. And Eric and everybody, uh, probably like 20 minutes into it, I'll open up the phone lines and let people call in if they'd like. I'm just going to do my little rant up front. But first and foremost, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope you're all doing great. Um, good news that it looks like finally – Finally, we're getting back to normal. Dr. Fauci finally gave us his approval to go back and live our lives again. You know, Joe Biden said we could have a barbecue with a couple of friends on the 4th of July if we're lucky and all those good things that they've been dangling over us for a long period of time. But I can tell you, hey, Mr. T, what's up? And welcome. I have been going into stores now in Massachusetts without a mask. I'm done. But I am literally the only person going in without a mask. Yesterday, where, where the hell was I? Oh, I, <laughs> I got gas for my car, and I decided to go in because I wanted to get a soda. So I went into the store, didn't have a mask on. Of course, I was the only one. This woman, this older woman, comes walking into the store as I'm leaving, and she was holding the door open for me. She looked up. She saw I didn't have a mask on and just let go of the door so it hit me. <laughs> so another customer served. I took care of her, made her day, and just pissed her off because obviously, you know, I'm selfish. I'm this, I'm that. But the bottom line is, you know, here in Massachusetts, uh, Czar Charlie Baker has not given us approval to take the masks off yet, even though, you know, Fauci and the president have. We're going to get to take them off this weekend. But the day Joe Biden, you know, good old Dementia Joe, gave us the okay to take the masks off, along with our uh, emperor in charge, Char you know, uh, actually, Dr. Fauci, I took him off at that point. Our emperor in charge has said no, but I'm done. So I, I went into a couple of stores today. I had a work meeting in the morning. I had to go up to a store. I actually walked into a Walmart with no mask on. There had to be probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 people in this Walmart. I was literally the only person not wearing a mask. You know, people, I'm not going to shame people, you know, if you're not comfortable going out in public without your mask. And I know officially the governor here in Massachusetts has not said that we can go without masks yet. So you're all following the rules. I'm being a bad boy. I get it. But, you know, if you're if you're vaccinated, go out without your mask. It's safe. It's okay. They've said it's safe. You can take that mask off and get back to normal. If you don't feel comfortable, that's cool. I'm like, you know, whatever. It's up to everybody's decision. If you want to wear a mask for the next couple of months until you're ready, that's okay. That's your decision. That's your choice. And no one should shame you for that. But just, you know, you can't constantly live in this bubble of fear. You know, and that's what's happening right now. People are afraid. The government has created this bubble of fear in our lives where we feel like we have to put the mask on or we're going to die. And that's not the case. It is not the case. A lot of people are vaccinated. And even if you're not vaccinated, if you've made that choice, which is your God-given right in this country, if you haven't been vaccinated, you know, it, it's, it's your call to decide whether or not you want to go out with your mask off, in my opinion. Again, you, you aren't going to give it to someone that's been vaccinated. And if you aren't vaccinated and someone else isn't vaccinated and you both happen to get it, that's the dice you're rolling. But in this country, again, we have to remember this is a free country. It is still a free country. The government can advise, but it cannot continue to be iron fisted and tell us how to live our lives and basically, you know, tell us that you can't take the mask off. I mean, again, it's 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 freedom. It's freedom. And that is what this company's this country's based on, whether you like it or not. So that's my little rant on the masks. And uh, again, I'm being a bad boy here in Massachusetts. I'm getting dirty looks up here in the People's Republic. <laughs> it's just how it goes up here. But uh, luckily, within a couple of days, hopefully more people will take them off. And, uh, you know, 
join me in uh, freeing the faces yet again. So, all right, everybody. So, hey, uh, thank you again for everybody coming in. I really appreciate it. If you get a chance, please share my live. Um, you know, feel free to make some comments down in the bottom. And before I get started, I'd love to see the people in the live right now. Give me your grade for Joe Biden so far. I want to see it down in the chat. We've got a handful of people in here. So what's your grade? A, B, C, D, F. Give me your honest grade. Put it in the chat. And I'm going to give you my overall grade also. But I'm going to break it down also. All right. Oh, I see an F already. <laughs> Z. <laughs> I love that. I didn't think of that. So, so <laughs> Mike from Tampa Bay gave him a Z. That's awesome. And uh, hey, everybody, sorry if my voice is a little bit off. I'm suffering from pollen allergies. It's been killing me for the last couple of weeks. So, but trust me, it's not COVID. It's all okay. I promise. So, all right. So um, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Joe Biden a little bit. So we're going to give Joe his, uh, his report card and we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about his past. We're going to talk about his present and we're going to talk about the future and we may give him a couple of different grades, but we're going to start with the past. First of all, Joe Biden is a guy that's been in office for what, 47 years, I believe it is. And he's run for president a couple of times before he ran this time along this time here. The last time he ran for president was 1987. He had to drop out of the race because he was plagiarizing speeches. Now, you know, this may not seem like a big thing, you know, copying a speech, uh, copying maybe a show, copying something that someone else has said. However, if you think about plagiarism, plagiarism, plagiarism is something that gets you booted out of college if you get caught doing it. Right. You are literally cheating by stealing someone else's work and you are cheating by stealing someone else's thoughts. Joe Biden was running for president in 1987. And he plagiarized speeches. He got caught and he had to drop out. I mean, this was a huge black mark on his career. And one thing that my father always taught me, and I try to pass this on to my kids. I try to pass this on to anyone that'll listen to me. Cause again, you know, I'm, I'm an old white guy who gives a shit what I have to say these days. My thoughts don't matter. You know, white lives don't matter. Every other life matters except for the white lives. So my, my lives and my opinions don't matter in my experience. But one of the things I feel that's very important for every person is you have to maintain your integrity and your character. If you don't maintain your integrity and your character, then you've got nothing in this life. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how popular you are. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. I mean, if you don't have integrity and you don't have character, you've got zip. You've got zip. And it takes you literally a lifetime to build up your integrity and character. And it takes you a few minutes just to lose it all. And once you've lost it, it's almost impossible to get it back. So, 1987, Biden gets hit for plagiarism. He has to drop out of the presidential race. All right. In addition to that, he also lied about his standing in law school. He was saying that he was in the top percentage of the students that graduated from his law school. And it turned out he was in the bottom like five people in his law school. Now, don't get me wrong. I was not smart enough to go to law school. I was not a good student. I struggled in school. The only reason I went to college is because I was 6'4", 250 pounds coming out of high school, and I was good at knocking people down. So I got a full full scholarship to college to play football. Otherwise, I probably would have been in community college or I would have been working because I was not a good student. A couple of years ago, I thought about getting my master's degree, and I got my college transcript 
My question is, how the fuck did I graduate? My grades were awful. I don't remember them even being that bad. I don't know where I would have finished in my college, <laughs> my college uh, rankings, but I can tell you one thing. It was in the bottom, probably bottom 10% of everybody else. I mean, I spent my time going to parties and whatever else and, uh, I guess, developing my social skills more than anything else. But you got, you got Biden, plagiarism, 1987. He lied about his standing in law school. Again, he's lying, he's exaggerating, he's stealing from other people, right? He has to lie about what he's accomplished. Now, let's talk about his illegal dealings in China and Russia with Hunter Biden, all right? You've got these dealings in which they, it's, it's on paper. You can find it, you can read it, you can research it. He and Hunter struck deals where their family made not just millions, but most likely hundreds of millions of dollars off their illegal dealings in China and Russia. So you've got a family where the, the father got hit with plagiarism. He lied about his standing in law school. They struck and used their power as vice president to make all these deals in China and Russia that benefited the family financially, right? Okay, we figure he's a Democrat, right? Democrats care about people that don't have money. Care, Democrats care about the poor. They care about minorities. They care about people that have been mistreated. They care about the homeless. They care about people that can't fight for themselves, right? So look at some of Joe Biden's comments from the past. I mean, Joe Biden has made comments about African-Americans many, many, many times in his past. The one that sticks out to me more than anything was when he was against the integration of schools between blacks and whites and basically said he did not support it because it would create a racial jungle. I mean, what the hell was he talking about where it's going to create a racial jungle? I mean, what kind of comment is that? I mean, if you think about the comment that he made, I mean, that, that, that was one of the most racist comments I've ever heard in my life. You look back when he was vice president with uh, Barack Obama. They asked him about gay marriage. Barack Obama and Joe Biden came out 100 percent against gay marriage. You can look at the videos, Google it, look it up, look at the videos. So Biden's made racist comments. Biden is against gay marriage, right? He made comments about Indian Americans. Now, not Native Americans, but people from India. He made disparaging comments about people who run 7-Elevens in convenience stores and basically even did the voice like you'd see on The Simpsons and made fun of people who are Indian from India in this country. And to top it off, he was a friend. I think the name of the guy was it Robert Byrd. He was a friend with one of the top operatives in the KKK. I mean, what in the hell are we doing electing this guy as our president? I mean, people said about Trump that Trump's a racist. Trump was a homophobe. Where? Where? Where's the evidence of that? I mean, Donald Trump, I've never heard him make a comment where he's against gay marriage. I've never seen any comment where he's made fun of people of different races. If anything, he has hired people of different races to run his companies. He's hired women to run his companies. He was giving out loans in the 1980s and the 1990s when the economy collapsed and no banks would loan to African-Americans. He was giving the loans to, to African-Americans at that point when nobody else would. So for whatever reason, the media has labeled Donald Trump this demon, this awful person. But Biden gets a free pass when he's got evidence of plagiarism. He lied about his standing in law school. He had illegal dealings in China and Russia with Hunter Biden. He's made racist comments against blacks, against Indians. He's friends with high-ranking KKK members. He has come out publicly 
against gay marriage. And but for whatever reason, he's accepted, right? The liberals love him and they think he is the savior. So my grade for Joe Biden's past, take a wild guess, F. F, Joe, you get an F, a big fat F. And actually, you know what? I'm going to give you an F minus, an F minus, because in your 47 years in politics, you have done nothing to help the American people. You have done nothing to help minorities. You've done nothing but keep them trapped in a system of oppression where they you know, have to vote for you and your other comrades in order to keep their benefits. So that's an F minus on your past. Now let's come into the present. All right, let's come into the present. After I'm done with the present, I'm going to open up the phone lines and let Eric call in and whoever else may want to call in. But let's talk about the present, okay? Oh, all right. I mean, you can see the pictures. The pictures are out there. They're everywhere. And recently on TikTok, I wish I had saved this, someone did like a video that was all mixed together that showed all the different sniffings and touchings and the other things that Joe Biden has done to children and women over the years, right? Jesus, I mean, how many pictures do you have to see of this weirdo sniffing little girls, sniffing their hair, touching them inappropriately? He did it to women as well. There are videos, there are pictures everywhere of this weird, perverted, whatever the hell he is, just touching people inappropriately. I mean, who the hell does that? Who the hell does that? And how do they get away with it without being called out on it? I mean, the evidence is everywhere. Okay, so you say, well, you know, he's just cute old Uncle Joe. That's how he is. He's like your grandpa. Come sit on his lap and uh, whatever. Okay, let's talk about Tara Reid. All right, Tara Reid. Now, you, you remember the whole Me Too movement, right? And again, I do as well. And I have no problem with the Me Too movement. If women are being abused, and when I say if, they are obviously being abused. But when women are being abused, they need to be heard. They need to be listened to. It needs to be checked into. The people that are doing the abuse need to be prosecuted because it has to stop. Real men don't abuse women. Real men protect women. They hold women up on a pedestal. They treat women with respect. If you're a guy that comes into my podcast and you abuse women, then I don't have a lot of respect for you. And it goes both ways. If you're a woman that abuses men, we had a guy that came into my podcast who was being abused by his wife and we interviewed him and he talked all about it. There's no place for abuse. But with Tara Reid, it was clear. It was clear. She gave her interview and she said, point blank, Joe Biden shoved her up against the wall. He pressured her up against the wall where she couldn't get away. He went up her dress, down her underwear and inserted his hand into her. And she was telling him, no, Joe, no. And after she fought back, he stopped attacking her and looked at her and basically made a degrading comment back at her saying, nobody would believe you anyway. Just get away from me. I mean, this was one of the people that supported him. She isn't a Trump supporter exactly. And they still want to label her. So where is this Me Too movement when it comes to women who have been abused by Democrats? Mario Como, perfect example. I mean, how many women have come out against him now? And he's still going forward. The media's not going after him. They've just forgotten about it. So you've got people like Bill Clinton. You've got Joe Biden. You've got Mario Como. You've got these people that are habitual abusers, and they are not being stopped, and they are not being prevented from continuing on. And the women are being thrown away like they're lying, like they're making it up, and they're not being heard. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, and he's a disgusting person. 
And I can't respect any man that has abused women. And quite frankly, I'll be honest about this. I know there are people out there right now listening to this. Well, what about Donald Trump? Donald Trump, you know, said, grab him by the pussy. And he did this and he did that. I did not respect the fact that he said that. Now, I will even further say that I was a young man. I played football. There were a lot of inappropriate comments made about women in the football locker room back in the day. It is what it is. And you will have men, when they get together with other men, they make inappropriate comments. I do look at the comment he's made. He was, it was stupid locker room talk. Do I think it's okay? Absolutely not. It's inappropriate. It shouldn't have been said. He was caught on video. But again, this is not the same as Bill Clinton raping multiple women. It's not the same as Joe Biden sniffing and touching kids and now having over 10 women coming out saying that he sexually harassed them as well. So if you look at again, this kind of goes into his past also, but it's also the president where this guy is our president and he's not being held to the same standards that other people are. So you've got a guy, you know, plagiarism, lied about law school, illegal dealings in China and Russia, racist comments against blacks and Indians, friends with people in the KKK, sniffing and touching children. He sexually raped Tara Reid and abused numerous others. I mean, just crazy. So now let's talk about him being president, right? There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of evil out there, Mike. You're absolutely right. I mean, you look at look at what happened on Epstein's Island. You look at what happened with the wealthy, you know, the Hollywood elites and the politicians and the people that have tons of money. I mean, what's happening in this country right now is evil. It's pure evil. And we're just kind of closing our eyes and not looking at it. Now, let's talk about some of the things he's done as president. I'm going to run down this list. I can't believe I've already been talking for 20 minutes. I wanted to keep this in about an hour. So I'm sorry I'm ranting. Let me run down this list, and I'm going to open up the lines a little bit for anybody that may want to call in. Um, okay, so 50 executive orders plus starting off his presidential career. So he talked about we want to work with Republicans. We want to reunite this company, this country. It's too divided. We need to bring people together. Okay, so initially he got in and signed 50 plus executive orders immediately. That's all he did for the first three weeks of his presidency was sign one executive order after another. And I did love it there during one of the videos. He even you can even hear him saying, I don't even know what I'm signing here. So who knows who's actually giving him these orders? I don't think he had anything to do with any of them. He's just signing his name. So let's talk about one of the first things he did. All right. Let's talk about killing all the jobs from the Keystone Pipeline. So 70,000 plus jobs. He ended them immediately. And what did he say to the people when they said, what are we supposed to do to feed our families? <laughs> Don't worry. There's other jobs out there. Of course, if you're working on a pipeline and you're making $100,000 a year, it might be a little bit more difficult to find a job. You may end up at Walmart making eight bucks an hour, but that's not exactly the same thing when you've got a high paying job working on a pipeline. So he eliminated all those jobs. Okay. And the result in that was the attack on the East Coast pipeline. Now, I've never, I have not seen anything like this since I was a child. And for me, I remember, you know, my father talking about it. My father's a hardcore Democrat. And he talks about Jimmy Carter being one of the worst presidents he'd ever seen in his life. Back in the 1970s, when I was very little, Jimmy Carter had the same thing going on. There were gas shortages. There were lines at the pump that were like a mile long. Gas stations had no gas. And that was a direct result of some of the policies that Jimmy Carter implemented. I have not seen anything like that since the Jimmy Carter administration 
back in the 1970s. We had over 12,000 gas stations without gas in the Southeast mainly. We had people who couldn't get to work because they couldn't get gas. We've got gas prices that have now approached in some areas of the country, four and $5 a gallon. When you go back seven months ago, we were paying $1.50 to $2 a gallon at every pump nationwide in the country. Right. So <laughs> you look at what happened with the pipeline. He killed the Keystone pipeline. The East Coast pipeline went under because of a hack. And then we had lines. People are paying crazy prices at the pump again. We have never seen anything like this quick of a rise in prices and this much inflation in such a short amount of time. So 50 executive orders. He killed the Keystone pipeline. We had the East Coast hack on the pipeline there. We've had lines a mile long, 12,000 gas stations without gas. Right. So that's just the beginning. Now, I'm not going down the line. I get a list of different things I'm reorganizing as I'm, as I'm looking down. Let's talk about the border crisis, all right? Let's talk about the border crisis. Now, for me, I'm a guy that my belief is, you know, my grandparents came into this country. They went through Ellis Island. They went through the proper channels as Italians, and they became Americans the right way. Now, I am not a person without a heart. You know, I've talked on shows where it breaks my heart where I see homeless people. You know, it breaks my heart when I see people with mental illness living on the street. It breaks my heart when I see children who are being abused. And it breaks my heart that there are areas of this world where people don't have food, where they're being oppressed, where their children have no chance of survival. It breaks my heart. However, in this country, we cannot just have open borders where anybody that wants to come in can come in because then you're opening the door to criminals. You're opening the door to sex traffickers. You're opening the door to people who are not good people and are going to do terrible things to the people in this country. You need to protect the border. So Donald Trump was building the wall. They made fun of Donald Trump. You know, oh, all the money he wants for the wall. The wall won't keep anybody out. Donald Trump's this. Donald Trump's that. Well, Joe Biden came in. He stopped building the wall. Right. He stopped it. Good job, Joe. You don't want to finish it. Don't finish it. What happens? I believe now we have 20,000 children living in squalor at the border. This is the middle of COVID. This is in the middle of one of the worst pandemics in the history of this country. We've got 20,000 plus children living in squalor in close quarantined areas where they can't go outside and play. They've got those little silver metallic blankets on top of them. They don't have enough food. Some of them are being sex trafficked. This is Joe Biden's America. Where the hell is AOC? Where the hell is AOC in her all white outfit down on the border crying at the fence like she did when Donald Trump had a border problem? Where the hell is AOC? You know, crying, looking at the camera, the poor children. Right now, this border crisis that we've dealt with is 100 times worse than anything we had under the Trump administration. Where's the media? Crickets. Crickets, no noise, right? There's nothing. They're not even talking about it. They're not even mentioning it. And again, what has Joe Biden done? Have you guys been looking at the reports? He has very quietly started rebuilding areas of the wall, Trump's wall. That's right. Joe Biden you know, hasn't been down there once because, again, I, I think he's probably drinking in shore every day and having his depends changed three times a day by White House staff. But where's uh, Kamala Harris? Where's she been? She was appointed to get down there and take care of it. We had all the Republicans went down and checked out the situation, but uh, neither Kamala or Joe Biden you know, have gotten down there. Now, Kamala Harris said it was because of the pandemic. Of course, at that same time, she was up campaigning in New Hampshire. So I guess in New Hampshire, it's safe to campaign, but she can't get down to the border and see what's happening with all the abused children that you've led into this country right now, 20,000 and growing, which is disgusting. So let's talk about North Korea. All right, North Korea. 
fucking Donald Trump, man, he went there and brokered some sort of peace deal with Kim Jong-un so he stopped firing missiles at our country. Was it perfect? No, but he went and he did it. What's happening now? Joe Biden's in office. Guess who's testing missiles again? Because they have no respect for Joe Biden. They have no respect. So North Korea, they're shooting missiles again. How about the war between Israel and Palestine? Donald Trump was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because he went there and basically brokered a peace deal. He brokered a peace deal. What's happening now? You've got Israelis in this country are being attacked by people on the streets. They're being attacked by people because they're being considered the oppressors when the Palestine group of Hamas is shooting rockets into Israel that was funded by Joe Biden through Iraq. So if you look at the war between Israel and Palestine, people are dying every day. Hamas is firing rockets and missiles. And now the Israeli people have been vilified. And you've got Israeli people in this country who are being abused and beaten in public. Again, this is another doing of Joe Biden. It doesn't surprise me. though. That's what Joe Biden has done with the divisions between black and white Americans. What the Democrats do is they divide and conquer. They divide people based on political party. They divide people based on color. They divide people based on conflicts like this in Israel and Palestine. They want us divided and fighting. That's how they beat us. And they're successful every time that he has been successful in creating racial division. All right. So, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I get some questions also now. I'm going to open up the phone lines in a second. Now, do you remember all the college students that were told that they were going to get college loan repayment? Hmm. Where are those payments? Remember remember all the young 18, 19, 22, 24-year-old young kids who racked up 100000 200000 in college loan debt, and now they can't get a job? Joe Biden told them, don't worry, we're going to pay down your loans. That's what Elizabeth Warren was saying, right? Pocahontas was saying, point blank, they're going to pay down the loans. Joe Biden said the same thing. We're going to pay down your loans or maybe even pay off your loans. They haven't given them one red cent. And all of a sudden with that now, he says, well, we need like a bipartisan effort to get that approved. (laughs) Joe, why do you need that? You've done it with executive order after executive order. Why can't you just sign an executive order to have all college loans paid off? You promised the kids you were going to do this, and now you're reneging on your promise. Shocker. Absolute shocker. But that's what politicians do. They lure you in and they lie. And then when they get elected, they don't follow through on your pro- on their promises. And that's one thing you could say about Trump. Whether you like him or not, Donald Trump followed through on the promises that he made. You may not have liked the things he talked about. You may not have supported the things he believed in. But he did try to get on the list and basically you know, cross off everything on that list that he promised he was going to deliver to the American people. Joe Biden has not done that. Joe Biden has not done that. So now (laughs) let's also talk about his physical state or his mental state. I mean, honestly, how can we say that Joe Biden is competent to be president right now? And I know people get angry at this, but I mean, how can you look at him and not honestly feel bad for the man? He's obviously in cognitive decline. He's obviously having issues with his mental state. He is not... I mean, he is not doing well. He can't give a speech. He bumbles his words. I don't think he knows where he is half the time. You probably all saw the video where he was driving the Ford truck. And when you looked closely at the photo, the guy in the passenger seat also had a steering wheel, kind of like a driver's ed car. He was actually the person driving the car. So Joe Biden wasn't even actually driving the car. And, you know, like I've said many times, you know, my father is 80 years old. He has dementia. When I look at Joe Biden, 
it's like the same thing. He's the same guy. My father tells the same stories over and over again. He forgets his train of thought. And that's what Joe Biden does. Joe Biden is the president of this country. He has dementia. He supposedly got the most votes in the history of this country, even though he didn't campaign. He didn't give any speeches. He had no rallies, but he was, he supposedly got 85 million votes. You know, the, the right, the Republicans, the Trump supporters, we've been vilified as these extremists. What makes this extreme? Okay, we, we can talk about the January 6th Capitol issue, which I don't, I think it got out of hand. It shouldn't have gone the way it did. But you had people there that were welcoming the people that attended that to come into the building that day. And in my opinion, what happened on January 6th, while it was tragic, is no worse than any of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa rallies that have basically consumed the entire country where businesses have been burnt down. You know, stores have been looted. People have been beaten and injured. I mean, it's really no different, but the, the right's been vilified because of January 6th. Now, I'm a guy that's a Trump supporter. I don't support what happened on January 6th, but I do support freedom. I do support having your American flag waving high. I support our troops. I do support good lives for everybody. And I do support all lives matter. I mean, when, when you hear black lives matter, Asian lives matter, you know, every other lives matter except for white lives. I mean, that the only thing you can come out of that with is, okay, I guess, you know, now we're going to have a country that's racist against white people. I mean, in this country, I believe that all lives do matter. I think every person in this country should have the opportunity to get a good education. They should have the opportunity to have a good job. They should have the opportunity to you know, be able to pay for their family and have a good life and have a nice house. But unfortunately, with the way the Repu the Democrats have run the political system, you've got, unfortunately, too many people of color that are dependent on welfare, dependent on, you know, public assistance, and they don't have the education or the ability to have a good job. So, you know, it, it's just sad to see it. It's sad to see what's happening in this country. You know, you heard my grade on Joe Biden for his past F minus. And I've got to say, and I honestly mean this with everything I have, I honestly did not think Joe Biden would be this bad of a president. I really did not. I thought he would be okay. He would do some good things. Because honestly, I didn't hate Obama. I thought Obama did some things well. You know, I didn't like all the division he caused between, you know, police and uh, the public and things like that. But I thought Biden was would at least be serviceable as president. In, in my 53 years on this planet, I've seen a lot of presidents. I don't remember him, but I was alive when Gerald Ford was president. I was alive with Jimmy Carter. I was alive with Ronald Reagan, both George Bushes. I was arrived with, alive with Bill Clinton. You know, I was alive, obviously, with uh, Obama, you know, Trump, and now uh, Biden. In my 53 years on this planet, I have never seen a president that has been as bad as the president we have in office right now. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I mean, I don't know. You know, if we're ever going to have a fair election again, I don't believe we had a fair election this time around. Um, and unless some things change, they're going to continue just to steal the elections and our votes aren't going to matter. But for me overall, uh, not only not only do I give Joe Biden an F minus, but in my opinion, he's the worst president we've ever seen in this country. And hopefully at some point we, we will get to a point where we get away from this guy and get back to having a good president and getting this country back on track. So listen, I'm already at 35 minutes. I'm going to open up the phone line real quick. Let Eric call in anybody else that might want to call in, feel free to join me. We'd love to have you. And I'd like to hear some of your opinions also on what you think. Yes, Eric, absolutely. You're right. We've got the audits in Arizona, Michigan, and New Hampshire. And I know the, I know the town in New Hampshire very well, New Hampshire, 
predominantly has been a Republican state for many years. It's become more Democrat with a lot of people from Massachusetts moving over the border, and it's become you know more of a Democratic state. But the, the, the town in New Hampshire that is analyzing the votes is Wyndham, New Hampshire. I grew up like 10 minutes away from there, and it's literally a very, very wealthy town. Big mansions, million-dollar homes. It's a beautiful town, a town that I can't afford to live in, So, <laughs> but it's really nice. But you're right. They are desperate to discredit the audits, uh, the audits and do everything they can to make it look like you know the, the right wing is crazy. Hey, Chronic, welcome to the show. Good to see you. So, Eric, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. I'm doing good. Um, no, it's been a couple weeks since you did, did a live cast. Yeah, you know, I've been busy with work and just this is my busy time of the year. And of course, like I said, I've been reflecting on whether or not I want to continue doing podcasts. But the email I got from that young woman a couple of days ago really made me realize that, you know, my podcast has done some good. And, you know, if I just remain as I am and, you know, occasionally do some good with the podcasting, it's all worth it. And the bottom line is I've made some great friends here like Eric and, of course, Mike, Mr. T, you know, Chronic, everybody that's in here now just mm-hmm. does. And everyone that's come in. So I really appreciate each person that uh, comes into my shows. But probably what I'll continue to do is I'm going to just publish some shows. And maybe my goal will be to do like maybe one or two lives a week. Because for me, it becomes a very daunting task to try to do a live every day. Because I've got well, kids, I've got a job, and I just don't have the time to do it every day, you know. But, well, uh, um, I know you, you've done great work on your podcast besides just having these freestyle shows where people like me and Mike and, and Jeremy um, and a couple other friends join in. I mean, you've done great work along with Chris and, and along with, you know, you know, what, what, you know, what's her face um, in exposing the, um, uh, the uh, boarding school abuse scandals like Amy and, you know, I, I can't think of that daughter's name right offhand. Oh, Amanda. Amanda. Yes. And then, of course, and then the episodes you've done where you've re-examined the Pamela Smart case and and have like had like Linda Woges and and Diane Diamond own um, them have been some really great shows. And then your interview with like Carolyn Grimes from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, but but I think the one one thing is um, is I certainly don't want to see you or James from Slightly Serious or Mike or or Jeremy from Cutting oh, Culture. Of course, I love you, Mr. A. Sorry, I was going to interrupt. Becoming discouraged because I I I get that it's unfortunate that um, y'all put out such great podcasts and and it's like y'all don't seem to get recognized or and 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 can't seem to break through to like Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro levels. (laughs) Well, I I don't. I have no expectations of that ever happening. I mean, again, the you know the issue with today is there's a million podcasts out there, and there's a lot of people that are really good at it. So. You know, you just go out, you have fun, you do your best. But um, I, I think sometimes I do get that in my head where I'd like, you know, it'd be really cool if I you know, had more downloads, had more listeners. But I mean, honestly, I've, I've had almost 30,000 downloads. That's not bad. I mean, I'm certainly not a guy that has like 2 million downloads like some of these big guys. But, uh, you know, now, l- let me read this, Eric. I, you know, I wasn't going to do this. I'm not going to mention the, the girl's name. But this is <coughs> an email that she sent me that uh, really kind of made me feel good about what we did to help because we had those interviews with Bethany about the show me Christian uh, youth home. And actually I put Bethany together with this girl and that they're now talking, but she wrote me and this is her response to me. She said, uh, your show helped, helped me feel so much more connected than I have in years. I cried as I listened to her speak and share her story. And she's talking about Bethany. I'm so thankful as someone as brave as her family stood up to tell her truth. I just happened to Google 
show me Christian youth home child abuse yesterday on a whim. I do that from time to time. I'm not even sure why. There are so many times that I wonder if I overthink or over-dramatize what I went through there since no one else seemed to be complaining. I couldn't believe it. I saw the link for you and your podcast. I clicked on the link and listened to every word. I can totally relate to the trauma that the gentleman survivor of Agape faced as also. That's Chris. Uh, it felt strange to hear about the journey Bethany faced and how closely it mirrored my own. We lived in these big homes with house parents, but things were kept so quiet that most of the other children didn't really even get to know each other. I wish I was brave enough to tell my story, and one day that might happen. For now, though, for the first time in my marriage, I was able to share with my husband the full scope of what I'd gone through with that place because I didn't feel crazy, dramatic, alone, and troubled. It felt validated for the first time in a long time. Thank you so very much for all that you were doing for past and present survivors. You have given us a voice. If Bethany would like to reach out to me, that would be very much welcomed. That was the email. I didn't know what I was going to do. I read that email, and, you know, it made me think about, okay, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to get rich, to get famous? No. Exactly. The reason why I'm doing this is to help. You're doing it to make a difference. I'm looking, and, and there, there it is, right there. It, it was almost like God sent that e- email to me at the right time. I needed to see it. I'm like, you know what? I will continue on. And you know how my schedule works, uh, Eric, in the summer. I've got kids playing eight to 10 baseball games a week. In the fall, things slow down for me. So the summer's, the summer's kind of a tough time for me. So I'm going to report, record podcasts as I go, maybe try to do one or two lives a week. There may be some weeks where I do three. There may be some weeks where I do none. But I am going to you know, recommit myself to stay with it. And I did get, it was funny, I got an email on LinkedIn from a woman who represents a bunch of like you know actors and performers who are trying to get known. And she put forward five people that she wants me to interview. So I'm probably going to interview each of those people and uh, do a show on them at some point. I've just got to get right. the schedule set and everything like that. But anyway, Mike, how you doing, buddy? I catch you in. And of course, I'm ranting and raving and I'm, just talking like crazy. No, I'm, I, I love it. I love the way you, you express it. It's, it's important because it's, uh, it's encouraging. I'm doing great. Um, obviously in the sunshine state and I love it here, but uh, also I love, uh, what you said just a moment ago oh, okay. about you on giving second. somebody I, I a voice for a second. Believe it or not, we have guys that come and do our lawn. They put like seed and treatments down on our lawn. <laughs> They're here now. You're going to hear this big machine drive by my podcast very shortly. So I apologize for all the background noise as it happens. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's coming. It's good. No, it's just like giving somebody a voice again is, uh, you know, we, we all can, I guess, feel that we're drowned it out. We, no one can hear us. Right. And, and, this large arena, but the, these like your podcast and for me, like I think it was yours and the old man's was the first ones I've ever heard when I got on here. And it, and really it, it, you know, it grabbed me, it grabbed the heart. It, it helped me, you know, people are expressing themselves and it's, you know, and it, it's just encouraging. It is. And it's for me to, you know, to hear Let you, me ask you again. How, how old are you again? I refresh my memory. I can't remember how old you are. 39. Okay. 39. 39. You know, it's funny. I think you and I, have been through a lot of the same journeys. You know, for me, for a very long time, I was lost and I struggled, you know, and it took me a long time for me, for me to find myself. And I'm happy that I finally found myself, but I haven't forgotten what it was like to struggle. The struggle is scary. It's hard. And sometimes you don't ever feel like the struggle is going to end or things are going to get better. And I, I felt that way for a long time. And I think that, you know, it helps other people to hear that because then you feel like you're not alone 
when you're going through those struggles. Absolutely. So many people go through it. I know you talked about you've struggled, you know, through time and it's important it's hard that people hear that. Yeah, it's so important because people feel like because in that in those struggles, we you literally feel it's just your pain and no one else is uh, has experienced it, and we want to know if others have. So sharing that is so important for me hey, Chris. and others to, to hear it. It's okay. putting a voice to you know that feeling of being alone and that pain, and it's it's unfortunately necessary. I had to learn those lessons because I wouldn't have known otherwise. You know, it's it's hey, let important. Let me you real quick. I want to welcome Chris. And Chris, we were just talking about you, brother. Um, I was saying a little while ago because you and I texted over the weekend, and I was able to put Bethany together with that other girl that had written me. She was the reason why I decided to get back on and start doing the podcast because it made me realize that I have helped some people and made a difference. So I appreciate you. I couldn't find your phone number. Thank you for sharing uh, Bethany's uh, phone number. And I know the two ladies have now communicated where they both have gone through the same thing. So I appreciate you sending that in and crazy Kane, how you doing brother? good to see you as well and if i missed anybody else welcome um, good to see you go ahead eric i think that young lady who reached out to you um ho hopefully you've like let her know like that you and chris would be very honored and humbled to to have her come on the podcast sometime for y'all to talk to her because i think she, she would have a great story to tell to the world yeah i did offer that to her and she said she's not really yeah whenever she's ready but she, she was moved by bethany and chris's story she listened to both of those podcasts and was really moved by both of them so i did tell her that i said listen you know you may never be ready here comes that machine <laughs> sorry here it goes so anyway I, you know she was she was really moved by both of them and i told her we will let her come on anytime she wants but if you're never ready that's okay you, you don't have to come on and talk but i said you have an open invitation even if it's two years from now if you want to come on my show we'll have you on and let you talk it out uh -huh. so but uh, again it may not be right for her not everybody wants to talk about it but if she wants to we would certainly give her the forum you know and i don't know i mean chris is here mike now you've gotten on and talked talked about some things does it actually make you feel better to get on and talk things out on a show like this or no a absolutely it, it puts it into perspective for me it helps me process it too by getting it out verbally because it stays inside of me and i don't get it out on paper like I have this little thing I wrote to myself while I was suffering through pain, but, um, and, or I speak it out, it, it stays in, if it stays in, then it, it grows and it contaminates my heart and it makes me depressed, sad, and I feel all alone. But I just want to read this little short sentence I wrote to myself. Please go ahead. I wrote, we hate suffering, but no progress is without struggle. Struggle is progress. And it's just like, I was struggling, but I was, progressing towards something more you know through it and it, it helps me put it in perspective so yeah, is sometimes necessary very well said that's true i mean i think i think back upon a lot of the bad things that's happened to me during my life and it's funny how when i can look back now with a bird's eye look on everything a lot of the bad things that happened to me at the time turned out to be really some of the best things that have ever happened to me because you needed a change in your life you were at a dead end in whatever it may have been, a relationship, a job, whatever. And, you know, by that ending, it seemed traumatic at the time. But then when you make your moves and you come out the other end and you're happier because of it and you're stronger because of the struggle, it does really just kind of show you that you're a strong person. You can do things and then your life is more rewarding once you come out that other end. But when you're going through it, it's hard, as, as you know, and a lot of people in here know, yeah. you know. So. What does pain do? And what, yeah. being uncomfortable, it, it gets us to move. 
you know, the pain, we're uncomfortable, the pain hurts, but we want to move away from it, but we're moving. We're not standing still anymore. We're progressing. So, yeah. How do you feel, Eric? Do you feel the same way? I mean, when you get on, you've talked about things in the past. Does it make you feel better yeah. about things? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I feel, feel good talking to people on this platform, like, you know, because I know I've really made a great group of friends and, you know, and I know we're telling our stories to the world, um, you know, and, and, and I know like we, like we were talking about earlier, like the frustrations we, we have not being able to, to reach a bigger audience. Um, I came across a gentleman on the airtime platform. He goes by the name Dan- dancing on strings. Um, and he works in the entertainment industry from what I have discovered. And when I mentioned the name Joe Rogan, Oh, he, um, he um, n- knows Joe Rogan personally, and I was like, it's a small world, because I did ask him, like, if he would take a listen to your podcast along with the Slightly Serious Show and the Old Man's Podcast and Cummings' Culture and Ralph William and a couple other great friends on here, um, see what he thinks about him, and, and he might ask a couple of his other friends in the entertainment industry to take a listen and see what they think. Hey, let me ask you, how's Jeremy doing? I, I did listen to his podcast. Um, his- he came on Slightly Serious' show last night. Um, he was really upset you know, about that podcast about his grandfather. Well, yeah, um, I know his grandfather passed away last Thursday. Um, but um, I've been encouraging other podcast friends to email, like, condolences and, you know, well wishes and words of encouragement to him, like, similar to how we did for, for Slightly when him and his other half lost that family friend of theirs, you know, back about the end of April or early May. Hey, real quick, let me read, I want to read this thing before I forget uh, from Chris. He actually wrote this and it's pretty amazing. And I may wait for a second. This giant machine's about to drive by my porch again. Nothing like live podcasting, right? He's seating my lawn. Right. He, buddy, here we go. <laughs> He's right next to me. All right, there we go. He's we'll seating it. <laughs> yeah, we, I'm too lazy to do it myself. We have somebody doing it for us. I'm a professional landscaper. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, you know, I'm lazy. So, all right. The Forgotten Tunes, Chris wrote, when I was little, I was adopted. Oh, hold on. I thought he was gone. He's coming back. Ugh, go away, dude. Uh, Chris, I don't know if Chris is coming on the call or not. All right, he's gone, I think, now. Here we go. All right. When I was little, I was adopted. I found out my biological father shot himself in the head when I was two years old in 1983. That's awful. I never knew the man, but I talked to him every single day and I put a lot of my problems on him because he listens. It's nice that he can't talk back, but he does lead me in a direction on most things, find someone to talk to, even if they're not hearing anymore, it's still good to say stuff verbally and get it off your chest. Absolutely. I agree. I pray every night. Like I said, I'm not really a church going guy, but I do pray every night. I speak to relatives that are gone and I do exactly that. And I do find that it makes me feel better. So I agree with you completely. Do you guys do that? Eric and uh, Mike? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it when helps, I pray, I do know, ask um, about deceased loved ones. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it does help to talk and you know, get things off your chest. And maybe that's why these podcasts are helpful where you can come on and you can it kind of express yourselves and you have so many good shows that are willing to listen and talk and help. And I think, you know, that there are some negatives on the, on this podcasting platform, but I think the good outweighs the negative for the most part. I mean, you get the occasional troll, but you're going to get that everywhere, you know, and all in all, but to be honest, John, you really helped me like big time. Like I am normally a shy person. I am terrified of talking to public. I share that a lot because I speak to that fear, but like hearing you talk and just, and just your, 
your, your love. I can just hear it in your voice. It's just like you really genuinely care. And it just encouraged me to step up into a place of the unknown of talking and having a, a forum like, like you do and a platform and, and just sharing the voice. It's just you encouraged me, to be honest. That's awesome. Really See, I, would, I, would, I would have never even thought that of you because you seem – you carry yourself well. You know, I've seen your pictures on Instagram. You're a young, good-looking guy. Um, you, look, you carry yourself well. You're very well-spoken. That wouldn't even enter my mind if I met you that you were shy – to get out and speak. You I know. Know that, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's now, absolutely I, crazy. Also, also yeah. See the pictures yeah. of your daughter. She's adorable. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm scared I'm, of the boys. I don't want to. Oh, not looking forward to that. <laughs> I hear that. I know. Here comes, I'm going to oh. talk, Eric. This thing's going by me again. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I think um, the, like the, dif- the difference is like the John we know on, on the podcast um, would probably be slightly different from the, from the John DeVito we would meet in, in real life. Well, you know, <laughs> because, um, because like here on the podcast, I've even gotten the compliment that, you know, on certain shows that I've been seen and heard on, like I would come off as a little bit more animated, but there, there have been times I've appeared on other podcast shows where, um, where I, I was kind of like settled down and, and it was probably getting close to my bedtime and, and people could tell the difference. But, but the thing is, is I, I believe in all of us, you know, being ourselves because, because at the end of the day, what you see is what you get. And I'm sorry, this thing's right next to me, but I'm going to talk a little bit on that. If you were to come to my town and ask people, I'm certainly kind of a, a well-known personality in town. I'm outspoken. I'm loud. But I've got a big heart. And I would say that probably in this town, it's like a 50-50 thing. Either you're Team DeVito or you're not. Either you love me or you hate me. I am what I am. I don't mind speaking up about things if I have to. And you, you want to engage people is what you want yeah, to do. I, I am who I am. I mean, I, I don't try to pretend to be anybody else. I did too many, too many years of my life trying to do what I thought other people wanted me to do. I tried to be who I, w- I thought other people wanted me to be. And you can't do that because then you're not being true to yourself. I'm me. Like me. You like me. If you don't, you don't. I can't do anything about that. But at least I have people, if they're not liking me, they don't like the real me. Or if people like me, they like the real me. And it took me a long time to get there. you know. And I think in general, I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I'm like everybody. I'm imperfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I make bad decisions like everybody else does. But I, I just try my best. And I'm doing the best I can every day to try to be a better person. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, none of us are perfect. All we can do is yeah. just try to be the best versions of ourselves. you know? Um, and, and I know like to anybody who has joined this live cast, like, like in case anybody missed it, you had your monologue where you, um, graded like Joe Biden, but I think a good podcast hold episode, on, on. I would certainly, let, let me summarize. F. F. Yes. Okay, that's my summarize. F. That's all. Um, Z. Z. Um, <laughs> or unsatisfactory, which is a U. Or unsatisfactory. <laughs> I used to get those. I remember those. <laughs> um, I think a good podcast episode. I would certainly encourage you and other friends to listen to, like from Cummings's culture, Alex's story, and Alex, you know, gives his his account of what he witnessed on the January. Where six riots when when he was in Washington that, that day and for the record Alex did not take take part in any of that he was there to sell like Dude. Trump twenty twenty merchandise I almost went I almost went I literally viewed this as being like a historical event I was going to bring my children I really was I decided not to do it you know basically out of laziness it was like a six hour drive away good on you it. and again you know I I think about what I would have done if I had been at the front of the line. And, you know, I was standing there peacefully, whatever. And if they had opened up the gates 
and they had said, okay, come on in. I, pro- like yeah. in. I probably would have gone in. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been sitting with my feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. I mean, that was a bad decision, but you know, I don't know mm-hmm. what would have happened if I had gone. I'm thankful I didn't because it obviously turned into and then a that one situation. guy, you know, dressed up in the, in the, in the horn um, headwear and, and being topless and, and what, and wearing the pants and, and then like, what looked like a first scarf, I thought that stood out like a sore thumb. Well, see, again, now at my age, at 53, I do everything I can to keep my shirt on at this point in my life. When I was 23, I would have had it off everywhere. But now I look to kind of spare all the women by keeping my shirt on. I don't like to you know, create panic and vomiting and things like that in public by taking my shirt off these days. But, you know, that's how it goes. But listen, dudes, I am almost in an hour. I wanted to wrap this up at about an hour. Mike, I'm glad you oh, called things on the call. Yeah. Oh, is he in? Oh, Thank crazy camera. I, I forgot. I, I, again. How you doing, brother? Before I go, how are you? I heard somebody say crazy, so I thought y'all were trying to summon me. No, I'm glad you called in. I'm glad you could join us today. Um, and you're starting your show this weekend, right, Kane? Oh, nice. If everything goes right, I will be starting. Uh, we're in preparations for the upcoming hurricane season. <laughs> so if everything goes well, yes, I will be starting Saturday. Time is negotiable. Wow. That's awesome, dude. And once I start Saturday, it will most probably be on Saturdays at random. There's no set time limit on when I will pop up. Wow. Gonna be good to just have you know when me. I pop up, my friends are popping up with me. <laughs> <laughs> you creepy bastard, you. <laughs> I love that laugh. Aww, you know what's funny? You, you know what's funny? Hold on, hold on. you got to hear this, Crazy Kane. Last night, my daughter, my wife, and I, we love watching scary <laughs> stuff. So we started watching this show on Netflix called The Haunting or The Haunted, whatever the hell it was. And it's these people mm-hmm. telling real life stories of hauntings that happened in their house, and they're really scary. So I was looking in between shows on my phone for like a scary laugh to kind of play it to my wife and my daughter. And I found like three or four, none of them were as good as yours. I was like, why don't I have sinister breeds? I'm not sinister breeds, uh, crazy cane, scary laugh on my phone. So I could actually just play that right now. <laughs> this is better than any other one. I can find a good idea. <laughs> I, I if think you Chuck and Billy, laugh, if you I, I think Chuck and Billy would enjoy your laugh, get enough of my laugh. The person I suggest you talk to is Homeboy88. Oh, hold, hold on one sec. Sinister Breed. I'm, why do I keep calling you Sinister Breed? Crazy Kane, I've got my Roadcaster <laughs> Pro ready. I need everyone to be quiet for a second. I'm going to hit record. And I'll, I'll um, say, do oh, a three, two, one countdown. Yeah, three, two, one countdown. I'm going to hit record and then rip off a good laugh for me. Okay. So here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Oh, wait, stop. It didn't work. We got to start over. Boomer alert. Boomer alert. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Let me try again. Three, two, one. All right, ready? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> oh, my God. That was awesome. Let's play it back and see if it worked. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> yes. Dude, how'd you not pass out? 
All right, that's a that's a permanent well, on my uh, on my roadcast. Now, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll share a secret with you. What's that? I've gone two hours laughing straight. Have you really? <laughs> nice. Really? Yes. I think Chuck and Billy's not your cup of tea would enjoy that that laugh like um, sound bite. Wouldn't you agree, John? I would agree completely. I would agree completely. Um, whenever uh, they, they go live again, I'm going to make sure I share the show and, and, and you try to jump into it, Kane. Hey, listen, before we go, I want to read things also. Go ahead, go ahead, Crazy Kane. But I don't want to forget, I see Bar, Barium U Podcast posted something kind of cool. I want to run through this really quickly before I forget. This is just kind of neat information. We were talking about Joe Biden earlier. So he said, by the way, on today's topic of Joe Biden, I learned this fact this week, which blew my mind. The Freemasons' compass is set at 47 degrees, and the highest level of Freemasonry is 33. Did you know Joe Biden's been in office for 47 years, and the last time he ran for president was 33 years ago? That's pretty cool. Shocking coincidence. Yeah. Well, you know, mm-hmm. is he a Freemason? Is Biden a Freemason? I don't know if he is or not, because I know that. No, I would think so. You had like George Bush and uh, Gore were both members of the Skull and Bones Club from Yale years ago. So it didn't matter who won in that election. The Skull and Bones had one of their members as president, which was kind of crazy. So I don't know. I don't know. Only a few presidents are uh, connected to the three Masons. Biden is not one of them. He's not one of them. So, you know, I thought about joining the Freemasons uh, a while back. But uh, I didn't have an uncle that's a Freemason. Like oh, hey, well, Tron Cat mentioned this. Do any guys, any guys know about this? Tron Cat's talking about there was a shooting in California this morning. Did you guys see that? I'll try to Google it didn't real hear quick. About that. Talking. And why don't you guys mm-hmm. talk quick? Let me look it up and see if I can find it. You know, and I, I'm sure sl- slight, slightly we'll probably talk about it on his show tonight, um, along with a couple other stories. Um, yeah, I never really educated myself or looked into deeply about the Freemasons and what the I, I know the uh, something about the layout of the um, Washington D.C. The streets, I guess, have symbols and certain buildings or I'm a, I'm you know, a unique like a street patterns. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm the, a history you know, bug. I'm a history. Yeah, what's bug. the deal with the uh, the whole symbolism thing? What's what kind of credence is that? Is it just a I think they society? like well, I, I would think so. Um, the, I think they look the look for like certain like drawing patterns and 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 numerical patterns. Well, if you look, I've seen shows on the Freemasons, and literally, if you look at an overview of DC, I think you can find this on YouTube. The buildings are aligned in the same manner as the yeah. Freemason symbol which is kind of crazy. And there are actually mm-hmm. Freemason symbols on our currency and things like that. So you're right. We were definitely mm-hmm. founded in Freemasons. Hey, really quickly, I found this article uh, that Tron was talking about. So apparently in California, let me read this really quickly. So multiple killed and injured in shooting in a California transit facility, the suspect is dead. So it said multiple people were killed and injured in a shooting at the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority Control Center in San Jose, California, according to the Santa Clara County's Sheriff's Office. The number of casualties was not immediately clear, but VTA employees are among the victims. Sheriff's spokesman Russell Davis said, let me scroll down. We've got some pictures. The shooting was reported around 6.30 a.m. local time at a VTA hub where maintenance is conducted and trains are stored. The facility has been evacuated. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo said commuters haven't been impacted 
Our hearts are pained for the families of those who have lost, who were lost in this horrific shooting. And uh, it doesn't say anything more about how many people were actually killed. So I'm not sure if there was an update, but definitely prayers. Well, I don't know what that was. But anyway, prayers to the people who were affected by this. I mean, that, again, is another heartbreaking example of a shooting in this country. And I know that we're going to hear, you know, the guns, the guns, the guns. But until we address mental illness and the reason why people are picking up those guns and killing people, we're never going to solve this problem. You know, because, again, I mean, the guns are a tool, like a hammer, like a screwdriver. And, again, it is a weapon that can kill somebody. But, again, if you can't get a gun, you can use a bomb. You can use a knife. You can ram your car into people. I mean, there are other ways to kill people. And until we go after the main reason as to why people are killing, we're never going to solve this problem because it's mental illness and a lack of treatment for people that are suffering from these mental illnesses. And, you know, not to make this political, I mean, my apologies to all the families. I mean, it's heartbreaking to hear that this happened again. And I can't even imagine what it must be like to learn that one of your loved ones passed in a manner like this. So, you know, my prayers go out to all of you in California that are dealing with this right now. And uh, my heart's broken for all of you. I'm really sorry to hear that this has happened. So I don't know, guys, what do you think on that? It's just uh, awful to continue to see these things happen. I think you hit it right on the head for me. I mean, addressing the core issues like the mental health. Exactly. If we, you know, the society being suppressed so much, it's, it's going to, something's going to form out of that. Something's going to get created out. And that's the mental health disorders. These, and we're not, like you said, we don't have enough treatment for it. And, and, um, you know, um, that's something we should look at. We should, we should really talk about and wrestle with in the, we have public. to, Forum, man, we have to. We have to. We have to do something about it. At the same time, though, we got to make sure that the people do have mental health and they're not a person. Because I've seen this where people pretend they have mental health and they act like they have mental health when they don't. So, the only thing I can say is evil is and evil does. You can't control it. You can't stop it. I mean, because if that was the case, mm-hmm. all the hate groups out there would disappear. Well, you, you, you look at California, too. I mean, California is one of those states that has the strictest gun laws in the country, along with like Illinois and the Chicago area. They have strict gun laws. And, you know these things happen because you have no one out there. I mean, the, the law abiding citizens are not carrying the guns. It's just the criminals that are able to still get the guns. And that's, that's one thing. I mean, if you, if you know, if you're walking in Texas or if you're walking in Florida or if you're walking in New Hampshire, you know that the vast majority of the population in these States probably have a gun strapped to their waist. So if you go in and you open fire, you're going to get blown away quickly. And, you know, again, that may not be the answer, but you know, it, it's such a complicated thing. And what's going to happen is, again, you're going to have the left, the guns, the guns, the guns, the guns. And I get it. You know, I, I felt that way once, too. But, man, it's bigger than the guns. It's bigger than people having too many guns. It's these the people in this society that are struggling mentally that can't get the help yeah. that they need. And it's heartbreaking. If you think, if you think it's going to get better as we come out of this pandemic, I mean, you've got people that have been locked in their houses for over a year that haven't come out. Oh, yeah. They're afraid to take their masks off. That have been socially isolated. Now are going to be thrown back into society where you got to take your mask off. You have to socialize. You have to go back to work. You have to do all these different things. We are going to see over the next six months a lot more of these scenarios where people are snapping and having mental breakdowns and it's coming 
it's coming. And we, I don't think we're prepared for it as a country. Like I've said on my walk, as I walk through the city of Worcester, Massachusetts, where my son is lifting weight, lifting weights, I'm heartbroken by seeing the homeless people up close and personal that obviously have mental illness, that have nowhere to go, and they're sleeping behind dumpsters with cardboard boxes over them. And it's heartbreaking. I literally come home and cry from seeing this stuff. And, you know, look at, look at all the money we've spent on the stimulus. I mean, right now, we're giving unemployment to people in this country that don't need it anymore. Go out there and look. Every friggin' place out there is hiring. You can't drive by a fast food restaurant. You can't drive by a Walmart. You can't drive by a Popeye's chicken without seeing a help wanted sign out there in the window. People need to get back to work. And let's use some of that stimulus money that's caused all this inflation that we're seeing right now to maybe help people Absolutely. with mental health problems. Right. I mean, am I wrong with that? It starts nope, with it us. It starts with a person inside the heart, and it starts with one person, and then it spreads. It's just genuinely, really, just lifting somebody's heart up and and trying to you know help them when they're down, and just encourage people and just show love because that love is more powerful than hate. Love overcomes everything. If we do things out of love and we do it for the right motives, it will not be difficult stretch to think that this country can come back i still hope and i will always express the love that 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 i have inside me to others regardless even if hate is at me i still love to me is the most powerful it's funny you say that because that's one of the things when i went through my my questioning as to whether or not i wanted to continue on with this podcast i started thinking more about am i doing good or am i hurting am i actually you know, creating to the greater good, or am I actually causing more, more problems by being negative and talking about politics and maybe being divisive? So that was something I was kind of going back and forth with because I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution in this country. And if I'm part of the problem, I need to stop being part of the problem. But I think, you know, like today's show where I talked about Joe Biden, you know, again, I know there are people out there that are going to not agree with me. They're going to think I'm, you know, a right wing nut job and I'm brainwashed. I'm a Trumpkin, whatever you want to call me. But the truth of it is, I believe that what's happening in this country down to my core is wrong. And I think unless we speak up, unless we're willing to stand up for what we believe in, things are never going to get better. What's happening in this country right now is just it scares me. I think it's terrifying. And I don't think we have a political organization or a government that really has the best interest of the people at heart. They have their own best interest at heart, and that's what they're protecting. And the whole time we're just being run through the ringer and, you know, we're, we're not given a chance to live the life that we should all have, enjoying our freedoms, having the ability to have a good life, having the ability to get a good education, to have a good job, to put food on the table. I mean, if you are if you're an African-American gentleman from the south side of Chicago or if you're a white guy from Beverly Hills, you both should have the same opportunity in this country to get a good education, to have a chance, to have a great job, to put food on your table, have a nice house for your family. And right now in this country, I don't think everyone has that same opportunity. And it's just unfortunate. So, you know, so I hopefully my show is part of the solution and less part of the problem. And if it isn't, I'm going to have to change it because I want to be part of the solution moving forward. You know, so hopefully people view it that way. You know, I guess we'll see as time goes on. So, uh, all right, listen, I'm I'm over an hour. I I ramble. (laughs) No, I love it. Like you're like you just get to the core. You don't BS. uh, And that's 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 something we saw in Trump too. And, and it's like, it's, we love that. We love just that oh, core. Did issues. you just compare me to Trump? It. 
Did you just compare me to Trump? Yes. I did. Oh, yes, on, I did. Hold I did. on. Honestly, hold you on. same qualities, John. You do. Bear with me. I'm a boomer. <laughs> hold on. Bear with me here. I'm going to try. I got like 50 sounds on my machine here. Let's see. Uh, not that one. Not that. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, happy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. We, the people, are the last check and balance. It is in the Constitution. We, the people, are the last check and balance. It's what we do. It's what's Oh, thanks, DNA. Hey, DNA, I don't know if you tried to call in a little while ago. I missed the button if you were trying to call in. If you want to call in, you said you wanted to be the president. I'll give you a chance if you want to buzz in and give you a few minutes before I sign off. If that was an accident, no worries. But thank you for saying Trump is an ass, and I am not. And I will agree with you in some ways. If Trump could have shut his goddamn mouth a little bit more, if he could have spoken the truth but not – you know, made fun of special needs people, <laughs> done things like that. I think Trump probably would have walked into his second term without a problem. He may have anyway, you know, considering the cheating that I feel probably happened. But you're right. I mean, Trump, yeah. he did speak his mind, but he did not have that filter at all to not say every single thought that came into his mind. Believe me. And I said, believe me, like Trump. See, believe me, I have billions. I can't do anything really well. But, <laughs> but I mean, for me, I do have a filter and I do prevent a lot of the things from coming through that I would like to say, but so anyway, you called in DNA. What's going on, man? So you have the solution. Let's hear it. What's happening, man. Uh, this is Dave much. from SoCal, uh, the heart oh, of nice. anti-gun country. So yeah. I, I'm in Massachusetts. Same thing, brother. I'm in mass. I'm with you. I'm, I'm a gun owner. Uh, and, but I'm, I'm an independent registered, but I, over the years, I think I have figured out at least mentally the solution to a couple of problems that no matter what Trump or Biden or the left or the right say are solvable problems. You just have to want to actually do something about it. Mm -hmm. So pick your topic and I'll tell you my, my solution, my friend. All right. Well, let me ask you this then. What do you think about uh, legal or illegal immigration and the crisis of the border? What's your solution there? Real simple. Uh, immigration is obviously a major problem in Southern California, and it probably has it started here, I would have to think. This is where the anti-immigration movement started and people started noticing that, wow, this is this is a bad deal. Um, I could tell you from my travels as a municipal employee that I have learned something very interesting about immigration. It is that people come here for prevailing one reason, and that is money. It's jobs. Yeah. We are not effectively stopping or making any laws that impact CEOs and owners of companies that hire these people. Uh, I can tell you that, in my opinion, if you make the first offense of employing an illegal immigrant 15 years in prison for the owner of the company, not the HR person, not some middle manager, the guy who owns it, the guy who has the yachts and the, the big house and the nice cars, you start putting those guys in prison for 15 years, federal prison, no parole, things will change. Trust me. I have met many, many, many illegal immigrants in my travels here in Southern California. And I've seen many of them reverse immigrate when the economy is bad. Yeah. It's all about money. It's not about freedom. It's not about welfare. It's not about changing our culture. They come here for money. Of course they do. But when, if you're when making $4 a week in Mexico, hanging drywall and you could come here and do it for $19 an hour 
what are you going to do to for your family? Slam I mean, dunk. Yeah, easy decision to make. But see, the problem with that is it's a great it's a great plan. But the problem is we need to prevent these wealthy CEOs from writing checks to these entitled politicians who then vote the way they want them to vote. Because we can say all day long that you know we we can put these people in jail for 15 years, which I'd be fine with. But unfortunately, these guys writing the checks are making the laws. And those laws are never going to happen until we got maybe term limits in the Senate or the House where, you know, we don't have career politicians who are taking handouts from companies and making the laws to benefit these people and not the poor. So the idea I, I self like, but I think we have to change the culture as to what we have in Washington, because right now we get far too many career politicians. They have their hands out all the time, willing to take money and not do what's right for the American people, you know, so. I'd love to see a change. I, I love your idea. I think it's a great idea. I mean, if, if someone's employing an illegal and that's the case, but the way things are set up right now, it probably will not happen, unfortunately, until something changes. And it's never going to change until we have someone that goes in there and makes the change because they all have their hands out and they're all making a fortune off of it and they're all getting rich. And uh, they don't give a damn about most of us, unfortunately. You know. Yes, sir. You want to so move on to the gun thing now? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. I'd love to hear it. Go. A L- little bit more nuanced and layered, and it might take a moment longer. But oh, go ahead. Uh, it's all yours. I, I believe the answer to guns, and again, I'm a proud gun owner. I don't masturbate with them, and I don't have like 15 of them. But, you know, I'm, I, I employ the Second Amendment as much as anybody else does. You know, I don't take pictures of myself with my guns and, you know, that kind of thing. But to me, it's about regulation and licensing. And I know that you think California is overly uh, difficult to get a gun. I don't find it hard at all to get a gun. Uh, there's some waiting periods and you got to take a goofy test, but it's yeah. not hard enough. And the fact of the matter is I bought my first gun when I was 21 years old and no one has ever checked on that gun. No one's ever checked to see if I haven't sold it to somebody else or sure. lost it. Um, I have to register my car here in California every two years. I have to prove that my car isn't emitting smog yet. We do nothing with guns and that's a big deal. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it's a big deal. I'm a very different man at 48 years old than I was at 21. Same here. I'm 53. I'm with you there. I get that. completely. I've been through a lot in my life, man. Divorces, uh, you know, child custody issues. There's, there's been a lot of times where a lot of people would have made that turn to the evil and use their gun improperly. And I didn't. And I think that's part of it. So what I'm getting at is I believe that the Department of Homeland Security needs to regulate the guns better. And who has Mm -hmm. them? Not not their status when they bought it, their status now that they possess it. So what I'm getting at is maybe every three to five years, you have to go in with your guns to DHS on an, on a pre-planned appointment, you get there, DHS makes sure that, Hey, you're registered with six guns. Here's all six guns. Great. You still have them. You didn't sell them to some punk in Chicago. Good for you. Hey, you know what? I'm going to have you load up a magazine in one of those guns and I'm going to have you qualify right now. I'm going to make sure you know how to use that gun. I'm going to make sure that you know how to, to load it and shoot it properly. Again, these are things that you have to do for your driver's license, which is a, Driving a car is also very dangerous, we've learned. If you do it improperly, if you're not good at it, people can die. Well, I'm willing as a gun owner to go through that. And if you show up with five guns and not six, you better have an excuse, man. But to me, if, you, if you're if you caught out there with a gun and you're not permitted, you haven't gone through your test, you're in life in prison. If you uh, have sold your guns to somebody improperly, life in prison, you start getting people out. You st- again, I-, I think there's a trend you've noticed, which is 
really stiff penalties from me that serve as a deterrent. No, I, I agree. I mean, for me, I'm in Massachusetts. I grew up in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the live free or die state. Yes, when sir. I grew up there, it was a lot like Texas. Uh, you could, you know, almost get a gun same day very easily. In Massachusetts, there's a waiting period. I have three guns myself, all handguns. And for me, I had no problem going in. I took my gun course, which I actually found to be very helpful. I didn't really want to go to it. But then the guy that did the gun course was actually very good. And I did learn some things from him, which was great. I was kind of surprised that I didn't have to show that I could shoot at all. I would have thought that maybe you'd want to have like some type of course where you actually go in and you are forced to actually shoot your gun or shoot a gun to show that you know what you're doing. But that that, that wasn't part of it. I did have to renew my gun license uh, this past year. But you're right. I mean, as of right now. I registered my guns once. If someone had stolen one of my guns a year ago and I hadn't reported it, no one would, would know where that gun is. So that is a good point. I'm not someone that's against safety regulations for guns, but I think we need to make sure that we're forcing, enforcing these regulations because we've got already so many gun laws on the books that no one enforces in this country. But you're right. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, I've got four kids in my house. I've got a safe. They're not allowed to touch them. They don't have... The combination, you know, there is no key. It has to be a combination. They can't get in otherwise. But also in the same breath, I've taken each of my kids down into the kitchen and I have shown them exactly how they operate because I've always been afraid of, you know, if one of my kids goes to his buddy's house and his, and his dad's got a nine millimeter and he takes the clip out and he's got one in the chamber, then my son ends up getting shot in the head when they're playing with the guns. Yeah. You know, so I've, I've shown them, listen. Yeah. When you take the clip out, there's still another bullet up here. You gotta get that out. So if you if if someone of your friends wants to show you his dad's gun, number one, it's no. But if number two, if you're stupid and you decide to look at it and touch it, remember when you pull that clip out, there could still be another bullet, and you're you're not gonna end up killing somebody if you're playing guns with them. So I, I've tried to educate my children on how guns work, and yes. you know, they're not able to go to the range yet here in Massachusetts. When they are, I will bring them. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we need to have common sense gun you know, legislation. I don't think there should be no legislation, but I think people get real nervous when you start hearing about the government talking about we need to ban this, we need to ban that, because that's when people, I think, get afraid. You know, when they well, start that, that's the beauty, John, of my plan, if you will, is I'm OK with nationwide mm -hmm. concealed carry yeah. as long as people are continuing to keep up with their their. DHS checks, whatever you want to call it. I think that's a good time for an investigator when you walk in with your guns. I mean, John, you and I have been around for a long time, buddy. Yep. We know crazy when we see it. Man. Oh, absolutely. You, you could tell when someone's not right. And that's a good chance for people to say, hey, you know what? I'm a little concerned. I'm going to have you go to a secondary meeting here and you're going to go and, and talk with some some medical or mm -hmm. psychological oh, yeah. staff. Now, I, I know there's I, people out there that the, are going to the think mental health a big gun grab. I, th I think about if you remember the shooting that happened in Newtown, Connecticut, a few years back oh, at yeah. Sandy Hook Elementary School. I mean, if you look at the young man that committed that shooting, I mean, it takes one look at his picture where you realize yeah. there was something going on there. And the mother said for years she had been trying to get him mental health services. She couldn't get them. But again, in a house like that, where you've got this young man that's obviously struggling with whatever he was struggling with to have a safe full of guns that he had access to. What the hell were you thinking? You know, yeah. what the hell were you thinking? It could have been prevented. You know, it yeah. could have been prevented. It, it, and it should have been prevented. And, yeah. and, and another thing I want to tell you and your listeners, 
um, with both of my plans. And, and I think we've become too much of a black and white society, no pun intended. Yep, uh, right but what I'm getting at is, do I think that my immigration plan or my gun plan would stop all immigration or stop all gun deaths? No. No, I don't think so. There's always going to be some jagoff who takes things too far yep. or runs across the border. But the fact of the matter is what we're looking for and what we should be striving for is less, not total wipeout. You're not going to wipe out gun deaths. And I'm well aware that if you take all guns away, then people start stabbing one another. But you have we have to do something if we're the, the way we're doing it now. It, it's 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 not effective. And one of the things that I give Trump mass credit for was standing up after the Vegas shooting and saying, you know what? Bump stocks are gone. I don't care yep. what Congress says. I don't care what the NRA says. These things shouldn't be out there. No one needs this right here. And I'm going to executive order it out. Yep. Um, to me, that was a very ballsy move. It probably was the most ballsy move in four years of being in office. And touching on your point right when you connected with me about Trump being reelected, had the guy just responded to COVID a little bit more appropriately, he would still be president right now. That was the death knell right there. You can't you can't convince half the country that something is fake and phony and not wear a mask and not talk about science at all. And on top of it, make up your own science and hope to get reelected in the midst of a pandemic. It was really poorly politically played and his base ate it up. And still to this day, much of his base won't vaccinate. They won't wear masks. They think it's fake. They think it's phony. Um, that came from somewhere, dude. That came yep. from somewhere. And that's, well, that's let me, the let me ask you a question on that because you know, I, I am a guy that supported Trump. And I, th- I don't think you've been in my podcast before. I know that the rest of you have all heard this stuff. I'm married to a doctor. All right. So my wife's a doctor. And, you know, she I, I am a Republican that's been vaccinated. So I got both of my shots and I'm glad I did. You know, I had no real side effects. And I did see through my wife that a lot of people suffered through this uh, pandemic, but uh, just a couple of questions I want to ask you, and, I, and I'm not doing this to be an ass. I no want problem. your honest answer on both of these. I guess my number one question would be, does Trump get any credit for, I guess, being the commander in chief while three companies develop vaccines in record time? That's the first sure. question. Absolutely. Yeah. He gets, he gets, he gets good credit for it. Does he from the media? Um, probably not because the rollout of it, uh, wasn't very smooth. Um, and again, I believe that he was playing to his base. And I, I think that's another political part mistake that he made. Uh, he had his base locked up. Yes. His base wasn't going anywhere. I mean, I, I know people literally the whole shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and they still would vote for him. I know people like that and it's OK. But the fact of the matter is when you cater 100 percent to your base that's already solid with you and you forsake the more than half of the other country um it wasn't it wasn't well played politically and also not recognizing the fact that he essentially was a a not popular president from the get-go he he received less votes raw votes in both elections that he ran and that's politically you have to look at that and say how do we get more votes next time from people that didn't vote for me that and it simply was you know i'm I'm impressed that he expanded his base from 60 to 75 no, million. I'm sorry. That was very impressive. But sorry, those are my dogs. I'm sorry about that. It's all good, dude. What What's the other thing? The vaccine. Okay, well, actually, I, I, I want to ask you a little, a little follow up to that. Now, do you feel that as Trump was running for office the second time around, and even his first four years as president, 
Do you feel that the media gave him a fair shot in reporting the truth about him? And do you think they have done the same with Joe Biden so far, where they've been reporting the truth about things like crisis at the border, you know, killing the Keystone Pipeline jobs, um, you know, North Korea firing missiles at us again, the war between Israel and Palestine, the inflation problems we have, $4 a gallon in gas. I mean, I've seen a lot of negative things over the last six months since Biden's been president, but you don't hear anything really negative being reported by the media. Trump, no matter what he did, he developed three vaccines in a record amount of time after the media said he was a jackass for even saying he could do that. He did it, but then he was vilified for not distributing distributing them quick enough, even though he, he was out of office in January when the vaccines were done in December. He didn't really have that much time to get them out there. So for me, you know, well, I see a lot of double standards with the media in the way they treated Donald Trump as opposed to the way they treated Joe Biden. Back when I was a kid, uh, George Bush's dad was president. And I remember... Him I remember having him. a pretty rough ride with the media as well. And George W. Bush had a rough ride with the media. And believe it or not, so did Bill Clinton. Those three guys, and every president probably since Clinton, have been under media scrutiny. And, and my dad taught me the best thing that he ever taught me back then. He said, the president's job is not to follow the media or listen to them or care about what they're saying. It's to do your job. The more you address the media being unfair, the more of a game it became. And out of all the presidents I remember, how many times did Obama mention Fox News? For eight years, they ran that dude's ass into the ground, right. and he maybe mentioned them three times in eight years. Well, the he thing didn't don't pay that, attention to those yeah, people. There are, there are Trump, because of his ego, was ultra-focused on the media. Right. Too much. Well, there, there are a lot more left-leaning stations. Life isn't fair, John. No, no, it's true. No, I agree. But I, I just want to address the one point you had mentioned because this does play into that. You have a lot more left-leaning outlets than you do right-leaning. I mean, right-leaning, you've got Fox and you've got Newsmax, and then you've got, you know, the majority of the others are more left-leaning, and that's just the way it is, and that's okay. And some people realize that and some people don't. But when you're looking to gain some of those middle-of-the-road followers, when you're looking to gain some of those independents or some of the people that maybe aren't sure who they're going to vote for, but they're tuning into these media outlets that are constantly destroying the president, and they don't realize that CNN maybe is a little bit more left. You know, MSNBC is really left. Fox is more right. Newsmax is way right. When they don't understand that, and they're being hit day in and day out with you know, for, for six months leading up to the election, Joe Biden's winning 60% of the vote, you know, Trump 20%. I mean, the polls were slanted. The constant, really, pot points of all the, the shows. The polls were right, though. But, well, were they? <laughs> I don't know. We won't go yeah, into well, that. Sure, were the sure numbers we exact? No, they weren't. But every poll showed uh, Biden beating Trump. So those polls were right. Damn near every poll showed Hillary Clinton beating Trump. And nationally, popular vote-wise, those vote those polls were by and large correct. Um, as far as the media slant, that might have worked 30, 40 years ago, sir. But now the media has evolved. And if you don't think the Internet is con completely consumed with right-wing antics... Uh, you're not looking at the same media, the same internet that I see. Most, about most people are not tuning in to How about CNN, Twitter, Twitter and MSNBC. Twitter, As Sean Twitter Hannity will tell you, they have crap Twitter ratings. banned the president, but the Ayatollah of Iran still has an account. So Twitter banned President Trump. The Ayatollah, the leader of Hamas, they still have accounts on Twitter, but Trump was banned. Do you feel that that was fair? 
I think it was ludicrous that Twitter had to probably employ fact checkers to, for the president of the United States. Yeah. I think when you start sharing things like the election was stolen, <laughs> which, uh, again, you, 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 when you spend that? four years motivating the other side against you, it's very difficult to win a popularity contest. Yeah, but do you think there's any you truth in the election? You're a great guy all you want. Not factoring corruption into this entire formula that has been just, just so obvious to everyone. Corruption is the process that something typically is expressed or it's changed from its original use. It's they corrupt. Corruption is in there. And if we're naive to the point where we don't believe that corruption can corrupt people's hearts, I think we're only fooling ourselves. Well, That's let's talk about people. corruption a little bit. Okay, let's talk about that. Five years ago, I remember hearing that Hillary Clinton was minutes away from being indicted, minutes away from having a grand jury put on her. Yet, who's who's being investigated by a grand jury this morning? For corruption, no less. I mean, it, it's, it's, do you believe it's the information? Like, like, if you only watched one channel on one station, one TV, and your source of information was from one side. What about the other sides that have information as well that dissent from those opinions and, 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 and views? I mean, is that not valuable to, to listen to the other side and to weigh both in the public forum of opinion where it's important to hear others? Like your, your opinion, your thoughts is important to me just as much as mine. You know, I, I just that's how I feel. It's important to hear other sides to weigh it out in the court and not to not just by one source or one seemingly all together in unison working together i mean it's it's seems obvious but how do we talk about it we're doing it now this is this is what we've i think we've been neglecting is listening to each other and weighing yes. it out and, and being truthful to each other and respecting others opinions not to change them but to work together not against if we're divided it's Find obvious that we can't stand yeah, I finding have common ground somewhere there was a solution for that in place until the mid-80s. There was something called the Fairness Doctrine, where if you had a Sean Hannity-type show and you had a guest on like Brent Bozell, you guys have seen him on Fox News before. Or someone like, well, or you someone would also like have Lemon. to have someone uh, like Don Lemon on, like, from Rachel CNN. And that got taken away in the 80s. It, it allowed and Fox News to exist, where you could have a TV network or a radio show where you sit there and spend three straight hours belittling the other side as opposed to listening to them. And what that created was the need for the, well, not the need, but the the fact of this Desire. echo chamber. I mean, I know people that, that only mm -hmm. watch these channels that you mentioned. They will never, the only CNN some Fox News viewers get is when Sean Hannity finds a 15-second clip to play you. This is what they're saying over there. Hey, Politics yeah, originated from the public. Let me ask that, a question really quickly. Let me ask a question really quickly. I've got, I've got some people that are asking questions. Now, the, the title of this show was Joe, Joe Biden's Report Card. For the people that came in, I've given them an F so far. Let me ask you, since, you know, I assume you didn't vote for Trump, so you probably voted for Biden. Do you think Joe Biden's doing a good job so far? And if so, what has he done well? 
I would give him a C. I don't think he was. I don't think he was elected to be some kind of transformational Obama or Trump type president. I think he was elected to stop the madness, buddy. And uh, had Twitter banned Trump four years ago, once again, the madness may have stopped. Um, that's my two cents. I don't think he's been an amazing president. I don't think he's been a failure either. Well, let me ask you, though, um, the, the, the follow-up question to that is, though, what has he done well so far? Brought back normal. I, I know that sounds kind of goofy and people hate to hear it, but I think he's brought back some semblance of that the president is a somewhat dignified person who doesn't have to reply every time somebody says something nasty to him, doesn't need to make things up out of thin air because it suits him. I think me, he's brought that back. You know, now, you, you weren't in for earlier in the show frankly, when I was talking about Biden. Let me, let me get this out really quickly. These are some, for the people coming in also, I mean, you tuned in, you saw the name of the show was Joe Biden's report card. So since we've been on for so long, let me revisit this very quickly. I talked about his past. I talked about the present. So in the past, I talked about the plagiarism scandal of 1987, where he had to drop out of the presidency. He lied about his standing in law school. He's had a, reportedly illegal dealings with China and Russia with Hunter Biden. He's made racial comments against African-Americans and not Native Americans, but Indian Americans. He was friends with Robert Byrd, who was one of the leaders of the KKK. Lots of uh, questions about him, his inappropriate touching of children. Tara Reid says he raped her digitally in the hallway when she was working for him. She's not a Trump supporter. There were numerous sure. others who have come out and said that he sexually assaulted them. Now, today, going to his presidency, we've seen 50-plus executive orders. We've seen the Keystone Pipeline jobs killed. Because of that, we saw the East Coast Pipeline get shut down, 4 and $5 gas prices, 13,000 stations without gas. Kim Jong-un is now shooting missiles again after Trump went and met with him and prevented that from happening. We've got a war between Israel and Palestine where Trump had been uh, basically nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because he went and brokered peace in the Middle East. The gas price, the border crisis, where we have AOC down there in her white outfit crying at the border. And now we've got 20,000 children who are living in squalor. He's further created racial division in this country by pitting African-Americans and white Americans and promoting like the cancel culture. I have questions about his his uh, mental fitness, where I have an 80 year old father that has dementia. And to me, Joe Biden looks like he's got a cognitive issue. And a lot of people in this country still believe he cheated the election. And then, you know, even like the students, you know, Liz Warren came out from my state of Massachusetts and promised students college loan repayment. So all these young people that voted for Joe Biden expecting to have their college loans paid, that's gone by the, the wayside. And he says he needs bipartisan support. But the bottom line is he could just pass an executive order and basically get all those college loans paid off. I mean, he certainly got a trillion dollar stimulus package passed without support on the right. So I see, you know, for me, a lot of negatives in the past and a lot of negatives in the present. And the one thing that you've said is he is, you know, he's brought back normal. But again, you know, what's normal? Normal is politicians who lie to us, who steal our money. They've kept African African Americans in the ghetto on welfare on Section Eight without a real chance of having a job. I mean, I don't see a lot of positives in what normal used to be. And maybe you get a guy that isn't tweeting negative things, but I don't think Joe Biden's tweeting anyway. His handlers are. So what I'm looking for is in addition to restoring the country to normal, give me some good things that Joe Biden has done to improve the country aside from making it normal on social media. 
uh, rolled out the vaccine far more effectively than the previous guy did. Well, again, no, he had one month. Donald Trump came out with the vaccines in December and Joe Biden took office in January. So he didn't have a lot of time to roll them out. But I'll give you that one. He has done a good job rolling them out. Uh, Secondly, I think when he talks about things like corporate tax, Mm -hmm. it was 35 percent. It got taken down to 21 percent. If he was a zero far left person, he would want to take it back to 35. Where did he where did he propose putting it? Right in the middle. He ran right in the middle. Now, as far as him being some kind of pedophile, um, I'm sorry. It's it's difficult for me to entertain that when I see a picture with Trump and, and Epstein and see lawsuits with their names next to each other. Oh, yeah, but it's see, difficult yes, for me Trump's, to... Trump's no longer the president, so we're talking about Biden. Some girl's do, you believe, do you believe Tara Reid? Do you believe Tara Reid, who said that Joe Biden shoved her up against the wall put his hand up her dress, down her panties, and put his finger inside of her, and she was working for him, so she's not a Trump supporter. I remember the whole Me Too movement. It seems like you know some women's stories matter while others don't. Do you believe Tara Reid, or do you think she was lying that when she says that Joe Biden raped her? I, I think that it, her story was kind of soured on once it came out that she had accused two other men of the same thing. And it came up false there, too. I think she had a history of it. I'd be willing to entertain the thoughts of any rich, powerful man not taking what he wants in life. That's what those guys do. It's not anything new. Mm -hmm. It's not anything unique to Biden or Trump. It's what rich, powerful men have done for centuries, maybe since the dawn of time. So I would be willing to entertain any story. And I watched that story closely, but it fell apart. It really fell apart. You mentioned a little while ago Epstein's Island. Now, why do you think that's been so quiet lately? I mean, because you mentioned you know, Trump had his picture taken with Epstein. There was no record going to Epstein's Island. Maybe he went, maybe he didn't. I have no idea. We do know that Bill Clinton was on the flight 26 times. Do you feel that Bill Clinton would have made a, a good first man if Hillary had won? Do I think that Bill Clinton would have been a, a good first man? A good first Hillary gentleman, Clinton or whatever, whatever you call him. Would he have been a good first gentleman? I, I don't even really... I'm not one of these people who gives a rat's ass about any first lady or first man. They're not... They're the wife or husband of somebody that was elected by the people. They're not consequential players. And quite frankly, I think that Bill Clinton would have been more helpful to a president than maybe Jill or Melania were. The guy yeah. has a little bit of experience. I think we could agree on that. Well, the good news is he could have managed he was the interns. a very popular president. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, I'm he saying he could, he could have managed the interns. Or anyway, listen, guys. I, 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 I'm not gonna, hey, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to deny that the guy's not right. a pervert. Right. I, I, hey, want to hear a funny? Anybody story? who tried to do that would be a moron. Hey, hold on, a second, guys. Let me. Tell, this is kind of a funny story, and this is not a negative story. Back in the day, we were talking about you and I being older. I work in schools. I, I, I used to sell school products into schools. So back in the New Hampshire primary, back when Bill Clinton was running for office, I didn't know who he was. It was in the very beginning. I walked into Concord High School in New Hampshire way back in the day, and I'm walking towards the office. I go around the corner, and I just bump into this guy. I literally knocked the papers out of his hand. I bent down, picked them up, handed them back to him. The one thing I remember about the guy is tie was crooked. So I said I was sorry. He had an accent. 
I walk into the office and I'm like, Hey, I'm so-and-so with this company. And they're like, Hey, did you see that guy that just left the office? I'm like, yeah, I saw him. I bumped into him in the hallway. His name's Bill Clinton. He's running for president. So I literally bumped into him in the hallway <laughs> and, and almost knocked him down <laughs> as I was going in. So kind of, that was my brush with Bill Clinton back in the day. And you know, I was a guy, I voted twice for Bill Clinton. I was a Democrat. I came from the Democratic Party. And I think when Bill Clinton shook his finger at me and you know, lied to us about the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, that's kind of what's my transition over to being independent than, than today, obviously, you know, more right wing. So, hey, listen, we, we've got someone else that called in, and I've just got you sitting there. Did you want to say anything? Good deal. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been kind of... No, thank you for your time. Um, I, I really appreciate you calling in. I appreciate it. Thank um, you. We welcome you coming back ne- next time. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you back. Absolutely. I see Kat, Kat Yura. I don't know if you came in to talk. If so, we'd love to hear um, from you. She, oh, she or she left the call. Oh, okay. um, All right. Well, you know what? That's not a bad thing because this has been almost a two-hour show. I've got to get back to work. So, Eric, why don't well, you um, do your thing and let everybody <laughs> know who's coming up, and then we'll go on this big boy and I'll be I back. I think soon. another thing I would also touch on, like when we mentioned the audits, like regardless of whether you know Trump won and had the election stolen from him or regardless of whether Biden won, I think it is imperative that we have checks and balances on our on our electoral process. Yes, because we, we, we want a voting system that we can have confidence in and and not be discouraged from voting and and not not see any the fraud and suppression and irregularities ever happen again. But but I digress. But in closing, um, the great Podbean live shows to be on the lookout for today. The Dark Woods podcast with Dark Bear. He is on right now. Frankie D's crib should be going live today at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And, and hopefully Cummings' culture might surprise us with a show DNA coming up at 7 p.m. Eastern come, time. It was a pleasure to have you on. So please come back. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Um, and, 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 you know, and DNA or, or Dave, um, he's welcome to check out Cummings' culture when he goes live. And the Slightly Serious show will be on at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, also going opposite Trice Talk. And, um, but, but I'll be at Slightly Serious. And, um, also be on the lookout for Crazy Kane's show to go live this weekend and also be on the lookout for Mike Tampa Bay to do do his shows. And you might even see him over at Torch's show. There's your noise, Crazy then, Kane. Yep. And then be on the lookout for Ralph Williams should he surprise us tomorrow morning and in the Old Man's Podcast at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And also be on the lookout for Milk Dog and, you know, the Turfy Show and, and of course, Brian and Rebecca and, and Chuck and Billy and, and a few more great friends. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for coming into the show. It was good to be back today. I may not do another live this week, but if I don't, I'll be back next week. But keep in mind, I'm also publishing some shorter podcasts on you know, different uh, topics that you can get on and download if you want to listen. If you miss my voice that much, you can always get a little bit of it on those downloaded podcasts. But anyway, it's been a pleasure. This has been a great show. To all my friends out there, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it. Having DNA in, that was a good conversation. And realize here, we invite everybody in because Mike made a comment that we all do need to come together. And Dave had a lot of good points, a very smart guy, obviously. And uh, it's good for us to talk things out. So hopefully, as a country, we can all move forward together going forward at some point so i love you all we're going to cue the music and eric thank you for joining me as see you always. next time love you and god bless you everybody there we go love you all take care
Love you too, Elgato.